welcome to part 2 of uh, episode 11 we are with prerna who is talking to about us about uh, what does it mean to be a posh trainer what is posh and how does one become a posh trainer in this whole process we ended up unpacking a lot of other aspects which are not just about knowledge and skills but the fact that you know this uh, this work uh, operates in the very uncomfortable blurry space between patriarchy you know gender inequities and a lot of social stigma um and therefore what does it do to a posh trainer in this part we are going to engage a little bit more uh with how does one design these experiences um suprena uh, welcome back to part 2 and uh, i want us to start with talking about when you have to prepare for uh, a training what are first few things that you do what are your go to resources um also are there are there uh, you know folks out there in the world whether living or not uh, whose work do you refer to all of that tell us a little bit about that okay so i think you know when it comes to post training there are three paths to it uh, there are uh, primarily three different audiences one is your internal committee members who will investigate the issue then often there is also a separate program for the leadership team um and then you have the employees uh, in many organizations it also includes support staff so you have these three four different audiences so you have to design your you know your workshop differently for these audiences with internal committee that's uh the longest workshop that i do which typically um is about 6 hours of training because for them it's not just about looking at instances different examples from the lens of just internal committee members but also in terms of you know uh reflecting on so i use a lot of case scenarios um in my you know sessions uh these case scenarios are usually based on real examples you know or real incidents um of course you know the identities and everything gets masked and you know like um, it gets uh, tailored to the organization's setting um but the idea is for them to a look at these scenarios from the perspective of how is power reflecting here you know um because often the power will not reflect like i had said not just from the role or the position in the organization so how is a power reflecting in such situations and you know if there is a power imbalance what can how will you look at the same situation now differently if there is a power imbalance um again the other aspect that i you know often ask them to think about is from the whole consent point of uh, point of view is there a consent into it again how do you define consent how do you look into consent especially if it's a consensual relationship between say um two employees and there is a power imbalance then how do you define consent you know so those are some of the aspect that i focus on the other third aspect when i'm working with internal committee members is i focus a lot on biases you know our own lenses of how we see people in the same circumstances you know um and these are very complex 
situations where i bring uh, you know that i bring into the session for example somebody has gone to somebody's house with a bottle of wine you know so automatically you have a lot of these biases that will you know start flowing in and in a, from the initial conversation those are the things that starts coming out so there is a whole lot of uh, section that is devoted on how do i start recognizing my own biases you know whether it has to do with somebody's gender whether it has to do with um see a lot of times internal committee members are working with the people who are coming to them with complaints so obviously they also have their individual relationship with these people so how that will you know what kind of biases that will result in or somebody who's been new to the organization or somebody who's been in the organization for a fairly long time what sort of biases that that will result in or somebody who's had a very unblemished record you know there there has been no previous complaint again you know what kind of issues that can bring in because it's also important for internal committee members to understand that while there is a redressal mechanism but there are these factors that also has huge implications on how i'm looking into the case and that um is a very thin line from you know for internal committee members to do a fair impartial inquiry versus inquiry which is very you know um very partial which has a lot of their own prejudices coming into play you know so that's a big part of the training when i'm working with internal committee members of course the second part is to do with the whole redressal mechanism and also that is again that's often uh, dealt with a case scenario and how we start unpacking that case at different stages you know because i keep adding complexity to it and you know we go through the whole redressal mechanism through that case scenario but that takes a fairly long time and i often when i'm working with organizations i tell them that you know if you want your internal committees to perform their role well they need to understand all these complexities because if they're working in this environment so typically with internal committees it's usually 6 to 7 hours of trainings that get spread over a few days with uh, again with leadership team or with the employees uh, the focus with them is not so much on the law while you know i cover briefly about the policy i cover briefly about you know the law and some of the important aspects that they need to know for example who can file a complaint or by when they need to file a complaint or what information needs to go in a complaint or what their rights are you know if they want to file a complaint but i don't spend a lot of time on law uh with again with the leadership team or with the employees the focus again is more on um un- unpacking sexual harassment behaviors because again i don't focus on a very black and white i pick examples that are again very complex in nature and you know how do i recognize that there is sexual harassment happening in a situation like this for example uh, when a compliment is a good compliment or when it's a say an inappropriate compliment and there is a very thin line to it you know um there is a lot of body language or the tone that i've used um the you know my tone or the words that i've used that can make a compliment make feel really good about myself 
or i can feel completely shitty about myself you know it can creep me out completely so how do you un- un- understand that thin line you know where do you draw the line or uh, especially in this context where so much work is happening in a virtual environment um you know how do you use emojis or whatsapp conversations you know again where does it become appropriate or you know when does it start bordering on an inappropriate behavior so with the employees a lot of focus is on understanding this thin line and understanding appropriate and inappropriate behavior and again the idea is not to tell them that hey don't give compliments from today that's not the idea because they we want to create healthy workplaces right and healthy workplaces requires that sort of interaction uh, casual interactions it requires compliments you know it uh, sometimes it can also require say healthy flirting and you know all those banters and everything so it's very important for them to understand that don't think this from a point of view that i can't talk to women anymore that's not what you know we are trying to address what we are trying to address is you know um and sometimes we are not aware of it because um if you look at whatsapp groups family whatsapp group there's so much inappropriate jokes that gets shared you know rampantly and whether it's school groups or college groups or you know family groups there's just so much inappropriate stuff that gets shared and we've normalized it so much because you know we're all laughing at it like you know for example a husband wife joke where you know wives are always portrayed a certain way or husbands are portrayed a certain way and we all have a big ha ha you know over this but people don't understand that this is the starting of you know when we start normalizing a lot of these you know sexual behaviors uh when we start putting people into brackets or we start identifying men and women you know um, in a certain role a lot of normalization starts happening from there and that's what i try and do in the sessions to talk about these aspects especially in a work environment you know what is okay what is not okay what are the things that you need to keep in mind when you know you are say giving a compliment to someone or you're talking to someone so those are the kind of aspects that i bring about when i'm working with employees and as well as you know what their role is to keep that workplace safe what uh what are their responsibilities how they can contribute to it even if they've not been a respondent or they've not been the victim you know but they still have a big role to play and what is that role how does that look like so that's largely with the employees that i focus on um again with the leadership team along with these aspect the ideas also uh, how they can pass these messages to their team or what is their role if for example a team member reaches out to them with say sort of a complaint how do they what is their role then you know and how do they ensure that their team is safe their team the you know uh, their team um, camaraderie is healthy uh, you know so what what can they do you know uh, from a leadership point of view so depending on the audiences um 
you know obviously the content changes uh, again with support staff a um, it's very um, it is in hindi you know the uh, a lot of times the uh, sessions take place in hindi and again from their context uh, because they are struck they positioned in the organization that they may not be able to intervene if say for example if they observe something or if they see something inappropriate they may not be in a position to intervene but what can they know what can they do you know in a situation like that as well as you know they need to know that they're also protected in the law you know by the law you know they're also protected and a lot of times they don't know they don't know that they're also you know so there are times when people may just um say put a hand on somebody's shoulder or you know like may just pass an inappropriate comment and they don't know whether you know what to make out of it because the power hierarchy is so much that especially for um say a support staff they will take a lot of things because it's coming from someone senior they will be completely nonchalant about it and you know they'll take it that this is what it is so again with them the conversation is very very different so you have to keep your audience in mind you need to know who you are talking to you know and a lot of times that will determine what kind of outcome that you want from the session or what kind of message that you want to you know give in that session so so yeah so that's broadly how i start planning you know whenever depending on who my audience is mm-hmm. and you know it's interesting when you were speaking about it i was actually connecting the dots between what a posh trainer does and then also what uh, in episode 9 our guest ikpal judge does as a sexuality trainer in schools and i was like oh wow you know that's that's such a great way because if we are able to prepare the generations the younger generation to be able to understand so many other aspects of the body we yeah. are perhaps in many ways being proactive in addressing why these issues occur in the very first place not to say that sexual harassment is purely about sex there's there's yeah. so many other uh, undercurrents there in fact actually i will just add that sexual harassment is not about sex mm-hmm. it is about power and you know assertion of that power uh that is what it is you know and that's what uh we need to talk about that it has nothing to do with sex it is about that abuse of that power yeah absolutely you know and while um, uh, i asked how do you prepare yourself for trainings and things like that i was curious if you were to write a book on how not to do posh trainings what would be like two or three big bullet points that would go into that book again you know i've uh, somebody had um, i was talking to this organization uh, about doing posh training for them and they said look you know the last time we had this trainer after that my team stopped talking to each other because they were too scared you know if i say because the messaging that went in that training was don't talk to women you know don't do that because we are defeating the purpose um you know uh, so a you know you can't look at sexual harassment from a very binary perspective like a black and white it's not that we have to understand the complexity of it so um i think it's important anybody who wants to get into this field 
it's not just about the law you know it's also about a whole lot of other issues that has implications on it so you need to know you need to be aware of it you can't approach this topic from a very you know one lens of you know and you uh, the second thing i think the other thing that we need to uh, be very careful of that yes we have statistics that talks about that women face much more sexual harassment than say any other group you know whether it's sexual minority or men or anybody you know women is the largest group that faces sexual harassment but i feel that you can't go into the session attacking participants you know because um, suddenly they will become very defensive you know they will not be able to um, the message that you want to drive that will not go through so you it's not about attacking a group it is it is for me it is more about how can they become my ally you know um how can they become a partner in this journey so um, so yeah so that's another thing that i have heard and see a lot of times a lot of times organizations have said that you know um they've had trainings in the past where after the training people just stopped talking to each other and it created a very unhealthy work environment so i think these are some of the things to keep in mind that you need to be fairly open minded um you know because people are coming from various different perspectives they are coming from various different experiences conditioning and it's not going to go in that 1 hour 2 hours or 3 hours that you have so you have to be very very open minded regardless of what is happening to you inside uh, you have to be very open minded and you know um, approach the session from that lens um so yeah i think those are some of the things that i will say that people need to be like really careful about sure and i'm curious about this preda i'm imagining that in any posh training the room would have two kinds of people one sitting with the sentiment of am i the perpetrator am i the accused uh you know or you know a sense of guilt so there's one side of the room there and then the other side of the room could be sitting with shame and uh, uh, anger and uh, resentment and so many so many things so when you are facilitating this session it's obvious that there will be moments of tension in the room there will be moments of conflict uh, whether explicit or implicit how does one address that those moments of conflict is it possible to address those conflict uh, in in that moment uh, considering you would be working off on x number of hours how do you respond to those respond to that uh, when when that happens i think it's important to you know uh, create a space where um, sometimes i allow those conflicts to take place because i think it's important for both the sides to hear what the other side is feeling you know so um, often i will allow obviously you know there i am playing a role of say a referee where you know i also need to ensure that it doesn't become into you know some sort of um an out of control situation 
but um, and it took me a while for me to get comfortable with this conflict so now when such sort of tension is happening i let it be because i also want to know where it's going you know and a lot of times it can go in multiple directions so i also allow the group to stay with that tension um because i can't make this topic very fuzzy you know it is not a fuzzy topic it is an uncomfortable drop topic and for a lot of people they're also dealing with uh like you said shame or guilt or you know that uncomfortable truth so i've become okay with the tension in the session and sometimes if there is time permits i allow that tension to be there because i think um you know it brings certain rawness to the conversation and i think sometimes it's important for people to hear both the sides you know um so yeah so um so that's what i do um, at times great could you talk a little bit about how big is the posh trading community in india and how are they network do they know each other uh, if somebody wants to you know uh, gain access to that network yeah there's in fact it's a very very healthy community because uh, you know um, there are quite a few people indiv- as individual trainers or as organizations who are working but at some level because we're also all working for a cause there is a very healthy community you know um, uh, which has a network of all these posh trainers and people can um, they're available on linkedin so there are groups on linkedin that one can be a part of there are whatsapp group you know i'm a part of one such whatsapp group and again it's um, it's not a niche community or it's not by invitation if you have access to even one person you can become a part of the community there also many organizations who have started doing you know free webinars uh and there are many of them whether it is uh posh at work or whether it is kelp hr or whether it is sasha so there uh there are a lot of organizations who also do a lot of free webinars or you know um where people have access to other experts who are working in this area and they have also access to a lot more information so what i will definitely say is i think it's a very healthy community and at the moment it almost feels like everybody is rooting for the other person you know so there is a lot of support there is a lot of guidance uh, you know if you have a question you know i have posted so many times you know questions in the group and um, the people who are willing to you know advise you guide you so it uh, you just need to be open to be a part of the community and it's fairly easy to have access to the community but you need to be on social media because a lot of these communities are on social media especially on linkedin so you need to become very active on linkedin and uh, you will suddenly see that there is a big community that is working in this field and they we are all connected with each other um so the community that i am a part of um a lot of my competitors are also technically a part of that community but we have a really healthy relationship because we are learning from each other as well 
and because it's an evolving field um, because there are you know court court judgments that come in then that add a new layer of understanding to the law um, you know i have gained a lot from these communities um so if anybody would want to know you know they can just reach out to me and i can you know introduce them to these communities but they are very visible on linkedin great and my final question uh, uh prerna is this work uh, in, you know i don't know about you but when i'm facilitating and you know especially i'm facilitating things where the group is telling me stories or or not just me stories but like they're telling stories to each other and there there are these processes and tools that one uses where people are able to you know really share deep stuff i come out of those training completely knocked out also because you know as an introverted person i i get completely drained out uh sometimes immediately after the session gets over i go straight to my room and you know i will just shut myself up and stay there for some time until i recover Yeah. uh or if i'm at home i you know i have to somehow uh, make time to recover yeah. so in this work how do you take care of yourself so that you know you can really bring the best of you to this work every day for the people and the organizations that you work with yeah i think i think again you know that that's an important part that you've talked about and uh, it can get overwhelming because you know when you're hearing stories and people are sharing their experiences it can sometimes get really really overwhelming and uh, especially right now when i'm working as this independent consultant it has given me that flexibility to space out my trainings because you know uh like you i'm also quite an introverted person and i need that space that time to recover also after i've seen that after a lot of trainings you know a lot of reflection goes on after each training there's a lot of reflection that is happening so i need that time because that reflection adds a new element you know a new question in the next program so usually i um, you know i like to space out my trainings um usually i will not do more than one workshop a day um or maybe a couple of workshops a week because i need that time to that quietness to deal with all that that has unpacked in the training so and um, i have the flexibility now to you know space those trainings out so that's what i do i think i um don't like to you know have too many workshops happening in a week or in a day because uh, i know that i will not be able to uh, you know do justice to the workshop so i like to space them out and that works you know because it gives me time it gives me that space to uh, calm down to you know deal with my own emotions and um, also you know like uh, uh, some conversation has triggered another say a question which i had not thought of it before and then you know the idea is to okay how do i incorporate this question you know in my next workshop so it gives me that space to you know think about it sure thank you so much ha huh, wow there's there's just so much that has come out of this conversation and uh, you know i uh, if you were to you, you know people who are interested and are standing in uh, you know at the start line of becoming posturers 
maybe they're curious about this work. What do you want to leave them with a closing comment uh, or maybe some advice? What do you want to tell them? Hey, don't be scared because I think there is a lot of that. I I see that a lot of fear uh, because it's for a lot of people, it is an uncomfortable area, you know, to get into. So, um, hey, don't be scared. It's it's not scary. But um, I think two things. One, uh, you need to know the law. You know, there is no... um, circumventing that you have to know the law you need to be aware of it and there are a lot of resources available that will give you that information especially if you are starting out on this journey um, a good idea is to attend uh, you know some of the workshops and i think one thing that pandemic did was access to a lot of free webinars or you know web there've been a lot of workshops which are very very fairly economical you know they're not very expensive um and there are a lot of organizations who are doing it you know attend those trainings because that will give you a lot of different perspectives so you before you know you attend your you conduct your first workshop a you need to know the law and maybe again um, have access to say live law or bar and bench you know you can follow them on facebook or any social media for you to be updated with latest judgments and also attend uh, workshops you know some of these um, because different workshops are also addressing this issue from various different perspectives and you need to have an understanding of those perspective you know because like i said it's a very very complex issue um and yeah and um, that's about it and join maybe join a community there are again it's a very healthy vibrant community you know we are supporting each other uh, you can find these communities on linkedin and you know join one of those communities um, so yeah that that should that can be your starting point you know if you want to get into this field great prerna thank you so much it has been such a treat to listen to this i think for me what happened during this conversation is you simplified a space which i always found to be very intimidating um and uh, you know some of your responses was very candid very rooted in your own experiences so uh, thoroughly enjoyed listening to those anecdotes and the examples that you brought thank you so much for being on doing being doing and we are going to tag prerna to our social media post uh, so that you can all get in touch with her if you are interested Thank you so much Prerna. Thank you so much Shalini. I had a great time talking to you.